All right, hot take right off the bat. I think this rendition of the Wild Thing song is better than the original. That's a hot take already, right? Yeah, well, I agree with you there, but there's going to be more hot takes all throughout this episode. So. Oh, yeah. Well, Jeff uh, told me before we came on, Jeffrey Gordon here from Box Office Quarterbacks. That's Jeff Gordon, the one who was just talking. I'm Ryan Schmelz, and this is Box Office Quarterbacks, where we go back in time and look at some of our favorite movies of all time. And for me, this is easily could be the best sports comedy of all time. And now that I live in Cleveland, Ohio, I am so excited to finally review Major League. I've watched this probably actually three times this year. A lot of the movies we've done so far, I've had to go back and watch, and it's the first time in a while I've watched it, or it was the first time I watched it. But this one, I've been watching it on and off frequently. I probably average watching this every other year. And I love Major League. It was one of my favorite movies growing up. It gets better every time I watch it. But it sounds like Jeff has a different opinion. Out of all the movies we've done, I felt this was the most okay, and I didn't think it aged well, and I and I can name probably two or three baseball movies that I think are a lot better than this movie. Well, there's definitely a lot of baseball movies to choose from. Uh, baseball movies have been rather consistent, I'd say, over the years, and I, I'm going to say that even over football movies. Yeah, so uh, how this one stacks up, I just felt the comedy was just kind of went over my head. I, I guess, you know, I didn't grow up in the 80s, so um, I'm not really in tune with the times back there or anything like that, but um, I, I just didn't think it held up, you know, 20, 30 years later. Ooh, I'm going to have to disagree with you there. Uh, there's some stuff I could see where you could say it's aged a little bit, but I, I, I think for the most part, you know, when, when I watch some of the baseball scenes in this, this is probably one of the best, like, in terms of like the sports action side, even though it's a comedy, I think this is very impressive for the most part. Um, some movies, uh, especially comedy sports movies, the sport, the actual like sport and watching it is a little weak or not well or creatively shot. But this one, I, I think it's got some of the best, best baseball scenes you'll ever see, especially towards the end when we have the Cleveland's face, Cleveland Indians face off against the Yankees. Yeah. I'll agree with you there. Like the baseball action was good. I like the unfiltered quality of the movie. Like th th this is an R-rated movie, and MLB gave them the go-ahead to drop f-bombs and make it how it how it is in real life. These are what these guys are doing on the field. So I did like that aspect of it. Uh, I like that they were real major league teams that you're seeing, not some made-up uh, generic teams that you see in normal sports movies. So I did like that aspect of it. And you also make the genius decision to make the uh, the main villain the New York Yankees. Can't go wrong there. Oh yeah, I, I, well I love that. Uh, that's the that that is the true villain in all of baseball. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, first of all, I live in Cleveland. I love Cleveland. It's it's been an absolute joy to live here. Um, but of course, they definitely portrayed Cleveland as a very Rust Belt city, which which in a way it definitely is. It's definitely changed a lot over the years. But you get that right off the top where they kind of show just the, the the environment of Cleveland and how it is and just a little bit of the depression that it's been going through because Cleveland, especially at that time, was a very uh, sports-deprived city in terms of the success of their franchise. I believe the Browns were, were pretty good back then, but uh, as we know, the, the city of Cleveland did not have a – did not win a championship in any sport until the Cavaliers in recent memory. So – 
uh, this movie definitely capitalizes on what this this city has been through as a sports town. Yeah, uh, the the opening shot um, of them just panning through the entire city, I felt it went on too long, and I kind of fast-forwarded a little bit to get to uh, the start of the movie, so... Maybe I was kind of cranky all the way. Well, uh, well, well that's um, that's pretty traditional, I would say, for '80s movies, isn't it? To have very long title cards. Yeah, I mean, I I've seen it in like the '50s and '60s, like with Dancing in the Rain and movies like that. But uh, I, I guess I haven't seen it in a while, so I wasn't used to it. Well, there there isn't really a lot of baseball to start this movie. It does get off to a slow start, and I would say that. Uh, but I, but the fact that we get Rachel Phelps right at the top, who. Uh, might be my favorite character of this movie. Uh, Margaret Witten just does a phenomenal job, and right off the bat, you're immediately sold on just how vicious of a of a villain we're gonna get with this woman. Yeah, I, I would say she's probably my favorite character too. Um, the funny thing about it is she wants this team to tank so hard that the, the fans don't care, and she can move the team down to Miami. Fast forward like what five or six years later, a team actually goes to Miami, and um, no one really cares about them either, so it's a, uh, it's kind of kind of funny how it worked out in the real life aspect of things. Oh yeah, well, for me being an Orioles fan, <laughs> I would say the the Orioles team, and I forget what year it is, but it's a couple years ago. The Orioles had a team that was uh, not expected to be great. It was they were kind of in a rebuilding phase. They had some young players who were really up and coming, but they ended up making the playoffs for the first time since I believe 1997. But but it was a team that just was not like on paper they weren't that spectacular they were I think they led the league that season in uh, runners left on base the guy, they had guys who freak, were, would strike out with runners in scoring position but and they also had an owner that uh, is not very viewed positively in the public eye from the fan base yet they ended up making the playoffs and it was an unbelievably fun season and that's kind of the feeling that I get watching Major League where you have this this team that just kind of rallies together um, when they kind of realize how the odds are stacked against them, and it becomes a lot of fun. But I, I love the evolution of the season, where they, you just see how bad they are, but you see that they all have a lot of potential, and we'll get to that when we talk about the spring training scene. But you see that these guys have a lot of potential, but they all have huge flaws, and that's why they've been put on this team, and they kind of see it all come together at the end where these guys kind of figure out what's wrong with them and they become a, a successful uh, a team by the end of it. Yeah, they're kind of like the grown-up version of the Bad News Bears. Uh, I, I like the spring training. Um, I, I like Willie Mays Hayes, how he kind of just sneaks into camp and just tries to blend in. He pulls up in a Bentley, and then the security guards uh, take him out of, of the clubhouse in the middle of the night, and he wakes up in his pajamas on the field. Uh, that, that was probably one of my favorite scenes. But um, was was he was he was like he not invi- was he not invited to camp or, or was, I thought I thought it was the 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 manager invites him to camp but the ownership doesn't know that he's supposed to doesn't is like wait he, we didn't invite him I'm not sure yeah yeah all I know is he, uh, he he jumps back onto the field and he he beats all those guys in the forty meter dash in his pajamas and then he's on the team after that yeah yeah no that that. Uh, Spring training is is definitely a lot of fun when they get there. Um, they they do a great job first of bringing all these kind of showing who these characters are. It, it's just a great. Um, 
they, they definitely do take the time to do all the character development here at spring training because you're not going to be able to do much of that, especially when you dedicate a lot of time to a, a, a game like you see at the end when they play the Yankees. So I do think that they take a good advantage of spring or from spring training and, and they, they have a lot of fun with it. That's when you, you get a lot of interaction between characters, whether it's like uh, Eddie Harris and um, and uh, Pedro Serrano, or you get um, you start to see the, the, the Charlie Sheen feud with Corbin Burnson, who plays Roger Dorn, and you kind of see Jake Taylor take uh, Wesley Snipes and Charlie Sheen under his wing and kind of become like a big brother slash father figure to them. So I, I thought spring training was a lot of fun. And you also, um, that's when you get, you get the coach, um, Lou Brown. And it, I, I love this scene where he has, a, he, or it's actually a, a series of scenes off the top where he does, um, he does a one-on-one with each player. Um, and he kind of, he sees what they're doing well. And then he kind of exposes their flaw. You know, like Pedro Serrano's uh, knocking balls out of the park, and he's like, "All right, uh, why why was this guy? Uh, why was this guy? How did this guy end up here?" And they're like, "Throw him a curveball," and he misses it, right? And then he does that with Leslie Snipes, where he keeps hitting the ball into the air even though he's fast. And Charlie Sheen uh, has a great arm, but he can't he can't throw accurately. You know, I, I I liked I liked when he confronted uh, Corbin Burnson's character, who is uh, who's it, Richard Dorn? Roger Dorn, yeah. Roger Dorn, and then he he's like, drop down and give me fifty push-ups, and then and then Dorn pulls out his contract, and he's like, look at here, I can't do any extraneous <laughs> activities like that, and he just <laughs> pees on his contract. I yeah. love that. Okay, well, well, that's when you, well, and I'll agree with you. That's when you kind of notice the movie's a little dated. Is because the peeing sound is extremely fake. Yeah, and that's something I, I definitely didn't notice as a kid. Now that I'm older, just kind of like when we see the portal with Terminator Two and Arnold Schwarzenegger appears, like, oh, that looks very fake, and it's got, oh, that's a fake peeing sound. But at the same time, it's still a funny scene. But I would say the the first half of this movie is my my favorite part. It's the second half where I feel things kind of fall apart a little bit. What? I would say the second half is when things start to pick up. I, I feel there's too much slowdown in the middle uh, once Jake Taylor meets Rene Russo's character. And well, the, I wouldn't those, say that's those... the middle of the movie, though. I, I, would say, I would say the second half of the movie is after the, um, the owner confront or they have the when they figure out that the owner put them all on the team to lose. Unless you consider that to be the last quarter of the movie. Let's just say when, when that whole love triangle starts was was when I started to kind of lose interest. Yeah, a little bit. I, 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 and I, I feel you know doing some research on the movie. That's probably definitely the, the the part that the flaw that I think a lot of people point out is they do they do not like the the Jake Taylor and Lynn story angle where he's because a lot of the stuff he does is just kind of like, oh, dogs barking. Uh-oh. Yep, someone is uh, walking their dog, so my uh, <laughs> my dogs have a feud with every other dog in the neighborhood, so that's what you're hearing right oh, now. Oh, there's no fireworks to bark at anymore, I guess, so... <laughs> Thank God. All right. Well, yeah, no, I definitely get what you're saying here. I feel like a lot of uh, 
a lot of critics have definitely pointed out as one of the flaws. But at the same time, I kind of see it as it's something that needs to happen because you kind of need to get a little bit, you need to see at least some players' personal lives in a way because I feel like we don't really get into that a lot with a lot of these guys. You get a little bit with Roger Dorn and his wife, but for the most part, like you never see, you never see Lou's family. Yeah, you never see uh, Wild Things family or Wesley Snipes or Serrano's. So you kind of had to, you had to have some kind of uh, of angle there. But I did also think it was interesting. None of the, they didn't do any uh, any kid angles. Like none of these guys had like sons or daughters or anything that they at least like showed. Yeah, they never <laughs> they never mentioned any kids at all, but. I, I kind of found Rene Russo and um, Jake Taylor's relationship kind of weird because he follows her home at one point. He kind of just walks into her boyfriend's apartment, and yeah, um, the 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 whole romance was kind of just kind of weird. No, I definitely see that that and and when you say there's some scenes that are dated, that's definitely some of the dated stuff. Because I mean, if a guy would have done that today, a lot of times I feel like they would have gotten the cops called on them. Like you follow yeah. your girlfriend home from the, from the from work, uh, that's not gonna go over well. Um, but I did I did love the scene though where he walks into her fiance's place by accident. That is hilarious. It's, it's a plot twist. And it's hilarious. I I did like that scene because that's that's like the most boring party I've ever seen on screen. It's just these old people sitting around in silence and it's the awkward silence just really sells that scene. Oh, but I then, love it. but then you also have like the boyfriend, uh, the boyfriend and Taylor, like taking like silent jabs at one another. He's like, Oh, I'll figure something out after baseball. I was like, Oh, will you? And you're just like, Oh, this guy's such a jerk. I can't stand him already. Yeah. I, I like when they're leaving there and they look each other in the eye and they shake hands and they say two things that I can't say right now, but, uh, it's a great scene. Great ending to that. scene. <laughs> yes. But at the same time, yes, yeah, some of the stuff Jake Taylor, I mean, when he, when he finally explains the, the backstory to her about why they broke up and everything, like, wait a minute, Jake, you have no right to be with this woman. <laughs> like, like, are you serious, dude? Yeah, he, he was he was the one in the wrong in that whole relationship after we find out why it didn't work in the first place. Oh, yeah. Um, but there, there's a lot of... Uh, when we get back to spring training, I, I absolutely love um, Jobu. One of the best characters in this movie. Doesn't say a word, and it's not even a real person. Yes. Jobu. And, and and that voodoo is real. Uh, when Harris takes the shot of rum that he's been warned the whole movie not to do, and a bat immediately hits him in the back of the head. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what I love about this movie is the, the. I feel like there's a lot of relationships that evolve over time, and you have uh, Serrano, who's all about Jobu, but doesn't want to, and thinks that uh, Jesus is 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 not the way to go, and then Harris is trying to convince him to convert to Christianity. But by the end of the movie, Harris is um, is in the bullpen warming up with Jobu sitting next to him. <laughs> but then Serrano's praying on the plane, and then he eventually, I think he like tells Jobu, he's like, "I'll do it myself," and he hits a hits one of the the game tying home run. So, yeah, the crazy thing about Serrano, I didn't know that was Dennis Hasbert until I looked it up on IMDb. Yeah, he's unrecognizable. 
but yeah, there's like a lot of people in this movie I, I didn't remember because I've seen it like a long time ago on TNT and I couldn't remember uh, all the people that were in the movie. So uh, that, that was a pleasant surprise because he's one of my favorite actors. Yeah, isn't that just a testament to how good he is in a way? Yeah. I, I mean, well, he's underutilized, I think, as an actor, just in general. I mean, he's better than he's better than just a bunch of commercials, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. He needs to be in more movies. When the season finally starts, I feel like the movie takes a, a step in the right direction because we get introduced to one of the best characters um, in the film and probably the best sports announcer, fictional sports announcer of all time, and that's uh, Harry Doyle, who's played by Bob Buecher. And he's drinking Jack Daniels while calling the game. And he's just, he kind of just kind of, I think, takes in the, kind of kind of sums up how, how everyone feels about the team. Where he's like doing the fake fan noise with the color commentator. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, you get the lines like, just a bit outside. Ball four. Ball eight. Yeah, as a former sports anchor, it was refreshing to see a character like that because sometimes you're not feeling it and you want to say everything that this guy is saying. He's like, oh, nobody is, nobody's watching anyway. And then he's just taking shots at Jack the whole time. And um, he has a great voice. I guess Bob Euchre was actually the voice to the Milwaukee Brewers for like 25 years, which is uh, pretty good casting on uh, this film's part. Oh yeah, he just does a great job. It's really, he's really probably one of the one of the iconic like uh, things that you think about when you when you see this movie. Because I feel like when people when people mention Major League, you're either going to hear a wild thing or you're going to hear just a bit outside. So Bob Euchre, I mean, he takes this movie to a whole new level. He's just a delight to watch almost every time he's on screen. Yeah, I liked his uh, color commentator uh, part. <laughs> yeah. where he doesn't say anything. <laughs> And he just kind of simulates crowd noise when it's needed. Uh, that that was a, that was a really good ad there as yeah. well. He's not the best color commentator in the league for nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is but um okay. So when the season starts, I must point out that there is a great foreshadowing here. Um, so when Wesley Snipes goes up to bat, he says, "You know, you can tell a lot about how the season's going to go after the first at bat, or by the by how the first at bat goes." And you know what happens? Oh, go ahead. Well, Wesley Snipes hits a bunt signal. A bunt single. And that's oh. how the movie ends. I didn't even pick that up. Yeah. I mean he gets end up he ends up getting picked off at first base like a couple plays later, but I I, I when I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh. No way. <laughs> like all these years I never noticed that. Damn, that's good. That's some good observation. I would never <laughs> want to pick that up at all. Because on the on the very last scene, I didn't even know what Jake Taylor was going to do, and he bunted it, and it like surprised the hell out of me because you never see that in a sports movie either. Yeah, well, th th it was great because they could have just gone with the uh, whole, I guess, just what you always do with... Um, home run, yeah, off, home run. bottom of the ninth. Yeah, so we get a bunt single from a guy who probably had no business beating out a beating out a ball on a bunt single. Um, like, that that whole time, I thought he was gonna like blow out his knees or something yeah. because they kind of allude to it the entire oh, movie yeah. how his knees are messed up. Oh yeah, well I don't I don't know how a guy's knees can be in that bad condition. He's still kneeling like that as a catcher. I mean that's I I, I if I kneel right now it hurts and I'm 
28, you know, and I'm still relatively healthy. So I don't know how these get, it, it's tough to do. I mean, being a major league catcher, that's no, that's no joke. I, I do like the scene in the locker room after a game when, when you find out just how kind of cheap uh, the owner is being and they don't have any hot water for the sauna and then they get the motor in there to kind of get uh, things started in the in the tub. Oh, um, yeah. I, I like that scene. Yeah. Well, you can kind of see uh, this movie kind of inspired Sandlot a little bit, and I kind of noticed that because Taylor kind of talks crap to the batters uh, when they're up to bat and everything, and then in the Sandlot, uh, Hamilton Porter does the same thing when they're, when they're playing the game against the jerk kids and saying, like, hey, tell your sister I said hi and stuff like that. So, so <laughs> he does his wife and inspire the Sandlot in a little way. Oh, yeah, because he does his wife in Major League, right, when he's talking to the yeah. guy from the Oakland Athletics? Yeah. Um, I also like, and, and before we get into some of the better scenes of this movie, I, I like the, um, the fans. That's, that's a great example of the evolution. You know, you have the, the, uh, the, the, the four, the group of four, and you see them at the diner at the beginning of the movie, and then they're, they're the only, pretty much like the only people that actually care in the crowd that are actually doing anything. And they have my dad's favorite line in the movie, which is too high, too high when the guy's hitting a home run. And then by the end of it, they're surrounded by other fans. So that's kind of one of the better evolutions too. But this movie just has so many good side characters, I think. And I feel like there's no, not really many bad characters because I feel like almost everybody kind of serves their purpose in a way. Yeah, I, I did like the scenes with the fans. Um, like at the beginning of the season, they don't know who any of the guys on the team are when they're reading the newspaper, and then they cut back to them in the movie, and they're like, oh, I guess, I guess these guys aren't really that bad. Yeah, and and that, that that was a great touch. But yes, the side characters um, are are one of my favorite parts of the movie. Like I, I like Harris. Um, I felt he was a a good <laughs> yes. kind of side character, just because he's this kind of old man and he's kind of taunting the rookies, and I like that part of it. Oh yeah. Um, well, uh, so I th I think one of the best parts of this movie is definitely the team meeting. And after Lou Brown is told by the, by the general manager what the actual intentions of the team are, or what, the, what Rachel Phelps' actual intentions are, um, that's, I think, when the movie hits a whole other gear. When they, they you know, you, you, he explains what's going on, and Jake Taylor just goes, well, I guess there's only one thing we can do. Like, what? When the whole bleeping thing. And yeah. then from there, you're just like, oh, yeah, this is about to get fun. And then they do the, the whole contest where they have the cutout of, of Rachel Phelps and you remove a, a piece of clothing after every win. And uh, that, 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 was a, that was a pretty funny motivator for the team. Oh, yeah. And then eventually uh, they win enough games that they get to be in an American Express commercial, which I don't know why American Express ever tries any other advertising than just running this commercial over and over again. Yeah. Because it is, I think it's hilarious. So yeah, their run kind of reminds me of, of the 2007 Rockies. I'm a Rockies fan, by the way. But the Rockies won 21 out of 22 games to get into a, a play-in game with the Padres to see who would make it to the playoffs. And this is kind of similar to how this movie kind of ends up. And uh, I, I, I like that a lot because it was kind of a realistic, uh, real, realistic scenario. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I think another scene I really like um... – 
and this is kind of the small things the movie does, which I think I think it's kind of a masterclass in storytelling in a way. You know, we talked about the side characters. Well, like you know, you have uh, Roger Dorn's wife, who's only I think in this movie for two or three scenes, maybe, but. It, it ends up coming around, you know. They utilize her every time she's on on camera. You know, she's there with uh, when Jake Taylor confronts him about missing a ball, and I think that's one of the funnier parts in the movie, where he he threatens to cut a piece of his body off and then put it somewhere else on his body. Um, yeah, and then she comes in with the coffee. <laughs> yeah, that's a great scene. Uh, but then she ends up coming. That ends up coming back around when eventually you see that she decides to hook up with. Um, Mr. Vaughn just to get it back at him. So that's a, that, that's, that's a little bit of a great utilization of how, of how she, is, um, she is used even though she's not on screen that many times. But of course, um, I would have to say the Yan- you could probably take about 15 scenes from the Yankees uh, sequence and paste that as, as some of the best scenes in this movie. Yeah, the, the baseball action, like you said, uh, earlier... It is probably one of the, some of the best baseball action we've seen because you look at other movies like The Rookie and Angels in the Outfield, and they don't focus on the baseball aspect of it too much. But this is very realistic, especially when you get to the, the final scene of the movie when Jake Taylor decides to bunt instead of what you would normally see in a sports movie like this. Yeah, and I just love the um, the evolution of the fans, as, as we've said before. But when, when you know, anyone, anyone who's a sports fan, anyone who's been a fan of a bad team, to see when they finally are, like, good and how excited a baseball town or a town can be, whether it's a football team or a baseball team, and to see everybody come alive and kind of unite as one, um, it just, I don't know what it is about that, but just, you know, I got so excited seeing that, especially when they, when they roll in off the bus and the fans are going wild for them. I, it's just something so exciting, you know, cause you know, you have Rick Vaughn at the beginning of the movie. Someone's like wanting his autograph because he, they saw him on the news making the, the wall of shame to the end of it. He's got people coming up to him just going, wild thing, you make my heart sing. And... <laughs> He goes from being wild thing because he can't throw anything straight to just because everybody likes him because he's a out there character. I, I liked uh, Rick Vaughn a lot. He didn't have a lot of uh, lines of dialogue in this movie, but he sells things with his facial expressions. And uh, this is probably my my favorite movie that Charlie Sheen uh, that that I've seen him in. And uh, I would say Rick Vaughn, probably my second favorite character in the movie after after the owner. To get to the Yankee scene, we've got, I think, Serrano's at home run. Um, we've got, obviously, the wild thing scene, and that's going to be a whole discussion in itself. Um, and then we have the, uh, the ending sequence where the team wins. So I love Serrano's uh, home run because I, that's just a well-shot scene. When he's rounding the bases, the crowd is going crazy, and he makes the whole loop, and then he comes out and does his curtain call, and the crowd is still going wild. And I, I can't tell how, many, how much of that crowd is, is digitalized and how much of it is, is actual extras, but it sounds very authentic, and it, it gives think, you goosebumps when you watch it. I think I read in the trivia that they had 20,000 extras there, so 
they they really went all out to kind of capture what an actual game time magic. Yeah. So, and the movie's shot in Milwaukee, so it, it, the and and from from what I understand too is um when when Rick Vaughn comes out, or Charlie Sheen came out to do the Wild Thing uh introduction, he said it would it got he he wanted to run through a wall because it was just so rocking in that place. And and that's I I, th- I think this might be my favorite scene of the movie, and that is the Wild Thing scene. Would you agree? I'd have to agree with you there. It, it felt like Mariano Rivera kind of coming out of the bullpen back in the day for the Yankees. It was that same type of electricity when when, uh, when Vaughn comes in, into the stadium. I just love how the fans. Are. I mean, the the fan the, the fans singing along to the Wild Thing song. I mean, it, I I am just I beam from ear to ear every time I watch that scene. I've seen it so many times, especially being here in Cleveland now. I've seen it so many times, but every time I just I love it. it. It's one of those scenes that never gets old. It's it's so well done. It's so exciting, and it's just hilarious at the same time. Yeah, Charlie Sheen. I, I was reading some stuff up on this movie. I guess he he took steroids in preparation for this role, and he played baseball earlier in life. So the fastballs you're seeing from Charlie Sheen are are legit. He said they they went up to like 85 miles an hour. So everything is uh is accurate, and it, I, I I like that character a lot. And you brought this up earlier, where um where the equipment's not working, and the manager says he's gonna go confront the uh, owner, and she is already in the locker room. And first of all, you see Dorn just immediately runs away and runs to his locker when he sees her. Because she's that intimidating. Um, and next thing you know, everybody in the room's just tense, just listening to her talk. But, but her, her, God, her lines are just so well delivered. And she's so wicked. She's walking around the room and she's talking about how these guys aren't tough. And then she eventually she's like, you're lucky I can still pay your salary. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I feel like, like an owner of... Uh, like a team like the Oakland A's would pull something like that in real life. It's like, hey, we don't Oakland have anybody, A's. and we're gonna. <laughs> well, the this Oakland A's have been have been the cheap team that's like always kind of been a way to found a way to make it work. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, but it's um, uh, and now we can finally get into characters. This segment is called characters. All right, so we we both are, I think, in agreement that Rachel Phelps is probably our favorite character. And then I think Rick Vaughn, number two? Yeah. Uh, yeah, me and you agree on the first two. Oh. I like Jake Taylor probably for number three. He, he was the most fleshed out character of the entire movie. Yeah, he's definitely the one I think that they dug into the most. Um, and we can agree or disagree, and I think it's always debated on what, how deep into his personal life they went and how far-fetched it was or... You know, and, and obviously you have the Rene Russo angle too, but at the same time, he is like the, he is the most complete character in this movie. Yeah, as you said, he's the most flushed out one and he's got the most, he's got the most backstory to him also. And he's got really that underdog feel, which a lot of these guys do, but you talk about a guy who once had it all and then now he's not, no longer a winner and he's, this is his last chance of having a winning team. And also, he just you know he serves as kind of a father figure to a lot of the younger players, and he's definitely the team leader. So I, I think there is a lot of 
a lot of what you said that makes you want to cheer for him. Yeah, and then, and then some other underrated characters, the manager, one of my favorites, yeah. just because he kind of tells it like Lou it Brown. And, and I like how he kind of hesitated to accept a job in the first place. And that that whole scene was great. He's like, hey, let me think about it. <laughs> They're like, uh, this is a chance to manage in the big leagues. Are you sure about that? Oh yeah, it, it, he's got the he's got just got a great voice. Just such a I don't know. Just he just kind of fits like a baseball manager, especially back in the eighties. Oh uh, yeah. And uh, I think Bob Euchre is up there. Yeah, he kind of he steals pretty much every scene that he's in, and I it's just it's just the little things that he does. Like he dabs whiskey in the back of his ears at one point and he just says all these hilarious things and he covers the microphone and he he's like nobody's listening to this anyway and it's great every every all those little things that he does oh yeah uh we've got serrano we've got willie mays hayes we've got harris and dorn those so those are the characters that that the that, that the team focuses on or the movie focuses on so you get let's see here one you get two pictures um, then you have two outfielders that are featured, a shortstop, um, and the catcher, right, I believe? Yes. And I think it does, a, this movie does a really good job of budgeting their characters. Um, I think a lot of movies struggle with how to, how to kind of present a whole team and, 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 and make you care about everybody. I, th I think if I'm, I'm going to say one movie that does it probably the best compared to this one is Remember the Titans, where you really yeah. felt like you, you learned about a lot of players. They had a lot of players on that team. That was a big cast. Um, yet they found a way to fit them all in. And I think that's the case here. Yeah. A lot, most of the characters get a, a pretty good chunk of screen time to, to make you care about them. And... There, there's certain quirks that you kind of take away from some of them, like Willie Mays Hayes. He, he, he's a really fast guy, but he sucks at hitting. And, and Harris is the old guy. Dorn is the jerk um, who's pretty into himself and doesn't yeah, care because his contract is up at the end of the year. There, there's a lot of little things to take away. Oh, yeah. And as we said before, the, the relationship between Serrano and Harris is just, it's so underrated, I really think. And, um, I say so too. And then you have obviously the you have the feud between Dorn and uh and Rick Vaughn, which explodes in a lot of funny ways. But at the end, that that has a, uh, I I do love how that feud comes around too, where Vaughn does the one thing that probably would have the last thing that Dorn would have ever wanted him to do, which is hook up with his wife. And then Dorn comes up to him after the after he um comes to the mound at the end and just says. Strike this mother effer out. Yeah, you're just waiting the whole time for him to deck him in the face, and it doesn't come until after they win the game. So uh, I like how they left it to, to the end on that. Oh, yeah. The celebration is great. I mean, that, anyone who's, who's seen their team win, it, that's just so satisfying. Especially when Euchre and the color commentator are just hugging each other like crazy. They're, yeah. they're, 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 their excitement when that happens just feels so authentic. And I think that's really what makes this movie feel really strong. Is that everything just feels so real, you know? 
uh, you're you're selling me on this movie more <laughs> as we have this conversation and now I'm thinking I'm like did I not like this movie or did I kind of like it and you're kind of selling me Ryan you, you really are <laughs> was this the first time you watched it I watched it probably 10 years ago on TNT but it was heavily edited oh and yeah I didn't really get the full effect oh yeah it's it's totally different with the cussing I tell you do we consider Rene Russo Lynn a bad character because I really can't think of any characters I didn't like I I wasn't crazy about Dorn that much he 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 was pretty generic to me but Rene Russo just kind of felt shoehorned into the movie I, I wouldn't say she's a bad character. I just, it just felt kind of out of place. Forced. Yeah, I can definitely yeah. see where you can see that. I thought her boyfriend was a good character, though. I wish we would have gotten more of him. Yeah, because he kind of just goes away. She shows up at a game and she's not wearing a yeah. ring, and then that's, that's kind of it for he's, his character. He's really only there for that one, that one game, or that one scene. Because you see him in another one where he's in the restaurant, but he doesn't say anything. So I, I I wish we would have gotten more of him, yeah, because I think he was kind of, he would have been a good side villain to to Rachel Phelps. Yeah. But unfortunately, I, I believe uh, Margaret Witten is no longer with us. Passed away in 2016. That's oh man. If there was one actress I wanted to interview, it'd been her, <laughs> just because I love that I love this role so much. She was just so awesome. Yeah, I can't believe she wasn't in more movies after this because uh, she she's a great villain. Oh yeah, I mean, just from 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 the minute she steps onto the screen, you're you're just sold, you know. And even uh, and even I, I think her my favorite line is when she when she said when the, the wild thing scene is happy, she just said like I hate this effing song. <laughs> <laughs> and I I feel like when I watch this movie, every time that that's the that's the scene the audience always kind of laughs out loud too. I, I like I like the GM and all the scenes that she's in too because he's gonna you know you can tell he's getting excited about the team winning and she just tells him to shut up every single time. Oh yeah. Well, have you have you seen the alternate ending of this movie? I haven't. Oh my god, it's terrible. You you talk about a scene that could have ruined an entire movie. Um, and when I think there's also an alternate ending to Titanic that I highly encourage everyone to watch and it'll blow your mind that this was almost how this movie was going to end. You know, I was mind blown that this scene was even shot. But it's pretty much a scene where Lou comes into her office to resign because he knows that he's going to get fired because they didn't lose enough games. And it turns out that this was all a plot from her and that she's actually happy that they won. Oh, I'm happy they cut that. And yeah, and she pretty much just says like, "Oh, but don't tell them because uh, this worked." And it, it you, know, I, it, it, I highly encourage people to watch it. It is rough to watch because it would, it just, it ruins the whole movie. It ruins the whole character. Yeah, that that was a good decision. Yeah, because she sells you too much on how how wicked and evil she is. So. Yeah, no, they, I'm happy they cut that out. All right, Jeff, final thoughts as we get ready for potentially the start of baseball season here in a couple months, a weeks. You know, I, I want everything to go smoothly. I think us as a country, we really, we, we just miss sports in general, and we kind of need something to rally us and have something to look forward to. And I, and I hope the baseball season 
you know, it's going to be different. There's only 60 games, but I, I hope it kind of goes off without a hitch and we can have something to look forward to here in a few weeks. Oh, yeah. Well, barring the, the implications that the season might get shut down, I really do think that the 60 games is going to be a blessing in disguise for baseball because um, I, the, the urgency is going to make it extremely fun. Yeah, I, I, you know, a shortened season is probably going to work to its favor because I, I feel people kind of lose a little bit of interest with a 162-game season, like right around the halfway point, and then they start picking it up at the end. So I I am excited for that aspect of it. Oh, yeah. Um, what movie are we doing next? I'm thinking something animated. Animated, huh? Ooh, we got to decide. Toy Story? Neo G Toy Story? That's for sure. All right. Well, we got to think. I'm going to try to look through the list of ones I haven't, if there's any I haven't seen, and we can consider doing that. That might be fun. But I'm always down to watch Toy Story. I watched the fourth one on a plane not long ago and had an absolute blast with it. So, something to consider. Well, thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of Box Office Quarterbacks. We'll be back next week. Thank you all, and have a great night.